What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness, in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Our sorrows and wounds are healed only when we touch them with compassion. I wonder if Buddha ever thought he would be quoted on Girl Boner Radio. I spotted these words online this week, and they seemed appropriate for today's episode. Healing isn't a destination, of course, it's a journey, and one that compassion from ourselves and others can only help. I'm so grateful to have awesome returning guests and experts in the studio today to explore trauma, race, HIV and transgender communities, facial feminization surgery, and more. With Dr. Megan Fleming's help, we'll weigh in for a listener who's been on her own healing journey for some time, and she feels ready to explore partner sex after years of solo play only. Before we dive in, a huge sponsor shout out to The Pleasure Chest, my favorite place to shop for sex toys, lube, and more. They offer weekly sex ed workshops for free in their stores in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. And you can shop your heart out and your girl boner out on their website too. To find out about their current specials, visit thepleasurechest.com or click the link in the show notes. Sign up for their email list for a special discount on your first purchase. For occasional updates from me, sign up for extras at augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. About once a month, you'll have a chance to weigh in on listener surveys and help guide my show content, take advantage of exclusive discounts from guests, and get a heads up on cool events. While you're there, you can also check out my Girl Boner books. Now I'm so pleased to welcome Jiminika Eborn and Blossom C. Brown to the show. Jiminika is a queer media consultant comprehensive sex educator, and sexual assault and trauma expert. She is host of Trauma Queen, a podcast mini-series for survivors of assault and our allies. The podcast focuses on uplifting voices of survivors in all communities and exploring our collective journey to healing. Blossom C. Brown is an actress, producer, filmmaker, and activist who's been featured in the documentary I Am Kate, The Ellen Show, and more. She recently attended the Biomedical HIV Prevention Summit in Houston, Texas, and was a keynote speaker at the Transgender Day of Remembrance event in Santa Ana, California, to name just two of her awesome happenings. Thank you both for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I feel like you've both been up to so much. Mm -hmm. I'd love to catch up a little bit. And uh, why don't we start? Blossom, you shared um, your journey with your facial surgery very openly online. You shared pictures on Instagram. Tell us what, first of all, what the surgery is and kind of what it means to you. Yeah. So uh, around June 7th, I got facial feminization surgery. And so basically for me, this was gender affirming surgery to make myself to, I'm sorry, to enhance myself more, bring out what was already inside of me out to with a boom, bang, and everybody was like, <gasps> and that's kind of like what I wanted to do. And so, you know, it really opened up the conversation a lot with my trans sisters who were thinking about getting the process and who have gotten it. And I cannot tell you how I get inboxes practically daily, you know, about like results and everything. And so it, it was really, really good. But, you know, I had to, it was a lot of education, but I'm so glad I got it. I'm happy. I feel aligned um, as a, a powerful black trans woman. And so, you know, 
I'm living my truth right now. It's funny that this is about healing. I, I love this. Yeah, because love that it. is part of your healing is to be yes. able to live as the person that you know yourself to be and to feel very authentic. And it really radiates from mm-hmm. you. And it, it did prior to your surgery as well. What are some of the most common questions you get about the surgery? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what does the aftercare look like? For the most part, like how long is the swelling going to be? How long will you heal? Usually it takes about a year to heal completely, but you really start seeing some of the finishing um, touches at the six month mark, which I literally just made this year, uh, this month actually. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I see the difference now and I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But yeah, mostly it's the aftercare, um, you know, like having somebody around, which is sometimes an issue for trans people here, that especially they live here in Los Angeles, because um, a lot of times they're um, abandoned from their family, they're misplaced from their families because of their transition. And so there's not a lot of support for that. And it's interesting because I think in 2020, we need to work on something that changes that a little bit. And so just putting that out there to the universe. But yeah, um, facial feminization surgery here is still kind of new. And so there's still learning amongst a lot of the providers, but they're, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why it's so uh, wonderful that you do so much speaking and outreach. I know everyone, not everyone um, needs to or can freely mm-hmm. share their journey. And I know that so many people um, turn to you for that that mentorship that maybe they aren't getting elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you like? You said you want to see things change in, mm-hmm. in the coming year in that regard. Are there ways for um, allies to help in this process? Is it mm-hmm. education or, or being there? You said maybe having someone yeah. there with you is important. So here's the thing. Allies have to get to a place where they need to start becoming accomplices. And this is what I mean by that. Anyone can say that they're an ally. Anyone can. But if your actions don't meet with your words, you're not really there for the cause. Now, accomplice, you don't have to worry about loyalty. You don't have to worry about are you going to be on the front lines with us because you're going to be there. You're going to be with us 110%. Before I can even pick up the phone and call you, you've already called me 20 times to be like, what I need to do? What's up? What's up? Who I need to talk to? What's going on? That's what accompliship looks like. And there's, there's, which I'm surprised you didn't mention this, August, about the CNN town hall. Tell me, tell me. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who may not know, um, <clears throat> recently back in October, um, CNN hosted an LGBTQ town hall. Um, basically, it was with the presidential candidates. Um, it was a partnership with HRC and CNN as well. And so basically, um, the way CNN had processed everything out was you got three questions to ask each presidential candidate. If you were selected, uh, you were the one that went up to the mic. And so um, I had the pleasure of not only being a guest of HRC, also being one of Kamala Harris's guests. And so it was very, very interesting because I've never really talked about this behind the scenes or whatnot, how... Uh, CNN kind of played out everything a little bit because <clears throat> when I got double booked, um, I actually wanted my Muslim trans sister, um, who I love so much, to come in and be able to take one of my tickets. And so CNN actually said, no, hmm. we can't do that. So literally I had two tickets with my name on it and I couldn't give one to the other person. And because I've done <clears throat> volunteer work with HRC for five years, I know 
how they operate. I know how they do things. HRC, I knew for a fact HRC was not the problem. Human rights campaign, not the problem. That was CNN. And so, you know, make a long story short, cutting up to about the sixth candidate was Beto O'Rourke. And by then, not one single black trans person, especially a black trans woman, had taken the mic that night, which means they had not selected any of her questions. And so there was this woman, this uh, beautiful woman named Lizette Trujillo. She's the mother of a transgender son. And so it just so happened that she was um, taking the mic. And prior to her coming up, people were trying to elevate black trans women and talk about the murders, just trying to elevate, get some kind of attention. But the problem here was we were in the room, but we didn't have the voice. And so as I saw the moment that Lizette was trying to elevate us, something kind of came over me in my spirit. I don't know if it was um, Marsha P. Johnson. But as I sat there and I also looked on social media and I saw the hurt in my black trans brothers and sisters um, post because they don't see themselves represented. You know, that's when I got up. And um, for the record, Lizette actually handed me the mic. There are two camera angles. Please check them both. She handed me the mic and I just kind of went off and I had to let them know, look, black trans it is a state of emergency in this country that black trans women are being killed and no one's saying anything about it. CNN continuously erases black trans people. I'm sorry, CNN continuously erases black people. Anti-blackness is very real and nobody wants to talk about it. And so it was really, when I did it, I didn't do it for clout, fame, uh, followers or anything like that. I did it because it was the right thing to do. That in an LGBT Q space the T still had to fight to be heard and then also that night you know you had um Bammy Salcedo and her team waving a flag saying we're dying and it was just really really interesting that I'm looking around other people who are in the uh, the spectrum and we still had to do the work and protest just to be heard mm-hmm. and for me, I feel like in the LGBTQ community, before we can start holding people um, who are accomplices and who have nothing to do with the LGBTQ community accountable, we need to start holding some of our very own accountable. It's time to call them in. And see, the problem is here is you've called in so many of them several times. And so now you got to start calling them out so you can know you need to be called back in. Mm. So, you know, it, that's just yeah. kind of like where we are now. But um, the, it, I got a lot of positive reviews and, and people, you know, I got a lot of hate, too. But it really encouraged and inspired people to lift their voices up. When you don't see yourself represented, say something, do something. And keep in mind, you don't have to step on another group of people just to get to the top and just to have your voices heard. I'm going to tell you what it is, and I'm going to leave it alone at that with CNN. Basically, what CNN did, so there were two Latina trans women who actually got up to the mic. One of them is a great colleague of mine, and the other one works at a great organization um, here in L.A. And they got to ask their questions, which were really good questions, one about violence and one about immigration, which was perfect, fine, wouldn't take that away from them. This is how anti, what I mean by anti-blackness working. Basically, CNN was tokenizing and gaslighting those Latina trans women and in, in exchange for the erasure of black trans people to say that they're inclusive of trans people. Just to be able to say it. Just Not to be able to, to say it. Not even to actually do it, but to, to say, oh, look at how inclusive we, we are. We are, yeah. But you literally tokenize mm-hmm. our Latina trans sisters on important issues 
and thought you were going to get away with erasing black trans people. And I found this out later on. Had I not protested, they did not select one black trans woman Mm -hmm. for the entire program. And they told me this afterwards. Wow. Wow. And people can find some of your, some of it was filmed and didn't it go viral? You have it on your Twitter. Yeah, it it went viral. Yeah, crazy. Mm -hmm. I think the world actually saw it. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people don't know this, but after I did what I did, um, I gave the mic back to Lizette because I really wanted her to ask her question. I literally went outside and I cried and I thought to myself, it's a shame I had to do that just to be heard. And I'm going to tell you, one of the first people who came over was Alfonso David, who is the new president of the Human Rights Campaign. He is the first black gay man to run this organization and lead this organization. And when I tell you he is so intentional on raising the black voice Mm -hmm. in the room, because a lot of times the black voice has gone unnoticed and we're here, but people don't want to give us our due diligence. And so when I tell you he is about that life, as far as like the trans community, being able to elevate trans and queer and queer voices, excuse me, like, you know, it's just it's really refreshing to see that. And I think in 2020, it's a new decade. It's a new year. Like, you know, time jump 2020 is it's it's going to be lit. Yeah, we're going to be where we are. Thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. that. It's so, so important. Jimenica, you created this incredible retreat called Tending the Garden. I love that name uh, for femmes of color who have survived sexual trauma. Could you tell us about your inspiration? I know it comes from a personal place mm-hmm. and many years of professional experience, too. Um, yeah. Let me sit up. Um, <laughs> so th- I've been in mental health going on 11 years. How old am I? Yep. Um, going on 11 years. I've worked in many different fields. I've worked in many different spaces that had money um, and spaces that didn't have money. But what kept coming up in all of the spaces um, was sexual assault survivors. And it didn't matter if it was working with teenagers, working with elderly, working with mid, man, women, whatever, eating disorders. It was lots of connection. Um, And what I also saw was the lack of respect and support for anyone that had melanin in their skin. And so as someone as someone that clearly is affected by this, my black queerness over here, uh, I, I've seen it. And like I would have to do what I could in those spaces. But also like this isn't my company. Like I can't you can only do so much. Um, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't like even the last job I had was in Malibu and I was the only black woman there. So I always was. Oh, well, you changed your hair. It was so much microaggression. Someone lost their job because they found the right one. She tried me. She was unemployed. Um, And it it was just a lot. Um, And I saw in that facility no one of melanin. I mean, well, it was 50 grand for 30 days. Right. Again, the money. And healing shouldn't be based on whether or not you have a big bank account. And mm-hmm. I mean, and in addition to that, the ability to have a big bank account is so limited for marginalized communities. So it's it's just like this catch-22 that goes around and around and around. Um, so was there a, a specific epiphany? Do you remember the moment you decided to mm-hmm. create this? Yeah. I actually went to a 10-day silent retreat um, this year, the scariest and most amazing thing I've ever done, which is really 12 days. Don't let them play you. 12 days of not talking? Yep. 
No, I can't. I talk too much. That's the there's, thing. There's no talking. There's no reading. There's no writing. It's all vegan, vegetarian, and you're in like a room with like five other people. Which in, you, if you didn't get there early, you walk past people. You can't look people in the eye. You're just meditating. No, on the first day that I got there, I was like, "How the hell did I get out of here?" <laughs> Why did I? This is awful. And then I was like, well, I'm here. I need some quiet. And it, I created this retreat in my head the first day. So I had to hold it for 12 days because then I went home and then went to my manager and was like, hey, here's all the things. Um, and I was thinking of everything that I didn't see that I knew was needed. And like when I thought of tending the garden, it was a whole bunch of names that I, oops, excuse me, that I had thrown out. And I was like, gardens like it's going to be in the springtime and I was like okay but also when you are growing a garden you need water you need food you need time you need support and all of that blooms anew Mm. like a new error a new a new bloom just just newness and that's how I got to tending the garden and that's also how my teachers are called hosts. But <laughs> they were like, we <laughs> love awesome. it. And I was like, all right, well, I guess my teachers are hoes now. But creating that retreat, I was like, I need to make sure that we have something that's affordable, um, something that people can walk away and say, okay. When they leave, there's continued support. I wanted to make a retreat that was like FUBU, for us, by us. Like all of my teachers are femmes of color, use different types of gender identities, different body types. And I also wanted to make sure with the scholarships that there was a specific space for a trans femme, because I think that's super important. And again, when you're talking about like accomplices, I tell people that all the time that they're like, I'm an ally. And I was like, oh, I got enough of those. Show up, show up and show out. Right. Even saying I am an ally, that just... I'm like, is this a show? It feels to me like <clears throat> if you are an ally... You should not be the one to say that. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Someone else names mm-hmm. it, not you. Right. It's kind of like a, a dude being like, I have a feminist brand or something. You're and like, no, you don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's so interesting that you said something about a, ret- a retreat. I literally just said the other day I wanted to plan a retreat for like trans folks. But I've never have done it before. And I it's literally, hot. that's, it's, it is so interesting. Mama is you, stressed. It's, it's so interesting <laughs> that you said that or whatever. So now I'm thinking in my head, okay, so now I have to, I, I'm learning what I'm about to get myself into. So we actually, talk. thank you for sharing that. We can talk. That's, yeah, let's, let's get on there. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. I was like, yes. It, it's, it's been a beautiful thing in the sense of like, I was like, these are the things I want. I wanted to mm-hmm. be in a space that's like nature because healing in nature. I want to be away. And the next week, this retreat center reached out to my manager and was like, did any of your clients want to host a retreat? And I was like, what? I was like, okay, universe, you better keep doing this. You're like, yes. bring me more of that silent yeah. stuff that I was afraid of because and, that's powerful. All of the teachers that I reached out to, they were like, thank you so much. I am, oh, please. And I was like, what the fuck? Everyone just wants to do this. And mm-hmm. it, for me also, creating the retreat, we have specifications on what we're focusing on. Um, I need to change the the verbiage, but a track. Um, so the classes that they will be attending, um, a sex ed class, um, three of them. It's going to be three days of intensive sex ed, mental health and body forgiveness. Mm. And I think, again, as someone that is a survivor, these are things we need. And the vetting process. I just closed the applications this past week. 
and now I have to go through them and I am tired because I've already read all 50 plus applications of deep trauma and like now we got to go to the next one and the next level and it's hard right like I wish I could create this for everyone but also like thinking like there will be another one because no one else is doing this I tried to like google and be like let me see if I can copy and paste and things no one else is doing this so I'm literally building it up with my blood sweat and mama's tears (laughs) That's why everything was clicking together. You're fulfilling such a massive need. But then yeah. to to step into it and you knew how needed it was, but then to go, wow, the massiveness of how needed it yeah. is. is Yeah. It, it, there's that aspect. And also, like, this is a community built retreat. Like, mm-hmm. this retreat is built on sponsors and donations. I ain't got no money. Like, I have coins, but they're not that cute. Right. And if we like for my for my sponsor, my scholarships, we are flying them out and we are covering their retreat cost. Like, that's a lot. And people are like showing up. And I was just telling August before we started, like I've been crying since the beginning. We released like I was going to do the retreat on my birthday, May 31st. We just closed the applications and I'm going to let people know before Christmas and like then we continue like it's not over and then we got to fly people and do it and then we get to the retreat mm. um and i want to do more like my goal is to make this free mm. like to be i don't know if i'm about to blow up i keep saying that 2020 is my rich year i'm gonna go ahead and receive it i feel that let's keep putting that yeah, out there yeah yeah so i want to be able to create this retreat at least twice a year mm. and let it be free and everyone so that it's everyone. because there are scholarships and then people can also pay to attend mm-hmm. Wow, that's incredible. I love, and I'm not surprised by the themes and the topics you're covering because of the work that you do, that sex ed is a piece of it. Yeah. Because it's incredible how lacking sex education is. In in, general. In general. Yeah. In in this whole world, in this country. Um, But then also, when people are healing from sexual trauma, it's incredible to me how often I hear from people who say, I mean, they know nothing about the sex piece of it, Mm -hmm. which is I mean, mind-boggling. Or but... people are like, why do you want to have sex again? Because What? Because I have desires sometimes. Right. And I think that's that's important to have these conversations. Um, and I would love to do, like, specific types of retreats, maybe specifically for trans femmes. Mm-hmm. But I also wanted trans femmes to feel included in scene. Mm-hmm. Because you don't necessarily need to be separated all the time like that's I don't know if some people want that I'm sure and I'm sure some people are like I just want to be fucking seen excuse mm-hmm. me I just want to be seen supported and heard like don't we all like why do I have to be put on different buses and put in like different corners like this is this is for us if you identify as a femme of color who am I I'm not a gatekeeper yeah and that's what I kept telling people but that's also how we kept losing support so really? that, oh, there's a tricky part. Mm. How did that manifest? How did you realize that people were pulling um, back? So I've had so many conversations with people. Let me tell you, so many brands and all these things. And they're like, oh, oh, for Femmes of Color. Oh, mm. oh, that's cute. Yeah, No, let us get back to you, ghost. Once they, I'm like, it's all over the stuff. But once they really start hearing, oh, you're really not letting in like any white women or anything. I'm like, no. <sighs> So they're, they were interested when it was for survivors, mm-hmm. but they're when like, mm. they see it as exclusionary mm-hmm. to white people. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, and I get messages like, oh, my God, this is so great. I love it. Are you going to do one for white women? I'm like, y'all have them. 
there are a few of them. I can give you the links. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's no folks that look like me at those retreats. Yeah. Right. Racism at right. work. Yeah, there was a piece uh, you were featured in recently that I saw about the importance of having these spaces mm-hmm. specifically. Could you just speak to that for someone who's, they're curious about it. They're like, okay, I see why that space is important, but mm-hmm. but maybe they they don't quite understand why. Yeah, I think when you are supported by people that look like you, they actually understand your journey and they aren't questioning you every five seconds. They're like, well, do you? I've, I've seen that a lot of gaslighting goes on. A lot mm-hmm. of discounted of people's thoughts and feelings because it doesn't fit their narrative or it doesn't feel as important to them. I even posed this question on Twitter one day and was like, this is just for white women. Why do you think that there's such a disconnect in support for black women? Two people responded and they were like, honestly, thank you for this question. This is not how I grew up and I didn't have this around me, but like I purposely tried to do better. And I'm like, hmm. And so I put the question out again. And I put the question out again and I know people see it, but they don't want to respond, which is it's interesting. Is it fear? Like they, I maybe fear they'll say the wrong thing or something. <sighs> but we mess up. Like, it's well, say something. I think it's yeah. fear part of it. And I also think it's shame a lot of times because mm-hmm. a lot of people have benefited and don't want to admit of the, their, that they've benefited. So it's a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of shame. And the thing is. Because even though clearly I'm not a white woman, but (laughs) in my spaces, I consider myself having privilege and, you know, going into colorism because I struggled a lot with colorism because it's funny you were talking about skin color because I have a lighter tone of skin. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like on the other side of benefiting Mm -hmm. than some of my dark, um, uh, more dark complected um, fam. So for me... It was very guilt and very much shaming because it's like where you're trying to get to, I've already gotten. And a lot of it happened because of my skin tone and my skin color. So it's like, you know, this is where I need to be more vocal about a problem that's looming. And sometimes some of us are so afraid and we're so ashamed Mm -hmm. to really open up that door of conversation to talk about those that are much more disenfranchised and that should also be at the space and so i had to learn going back to healing that was part of the healing process i had to learn look if you benefit for something if you have access to something give back there's nothing to be ashamed of you were meant to be there for a reason because you had to open up the door Mm -hmm. for the next person who has less than you to come on in bring them into the table and i think we all got to get to the point of encouraging each other if you have access and privilege white women white men i say this all the time hello if you have access or privilege, what little bit you got, if you truly, truly care about the cause and the purpose, open up the door for some disenfranchised folks to come on in. Mm-hmm. Just let them do it. Let them do it. I think August makes a perfect example of that. I agree. August is actually the perfect example of it. Because one thing about it, though, and I hope, and I don't mean to say this on the, on the, on the um, radio. Sweet crazy. One thing about it. People can talk about you, about you not being inclusive. Oh, they'll say you're a white woman. You're cis. You don't get it. But you've been woke for the longest. And you don't have to respond to them because your work itself shows. Because mm. look what's in the studio today. How could I not? I mean, you two are so incredible. Come I on. love, love, love your Come work. On. And, and I really believe that 
we all, everyone benefits yes. by opening, the, including yes. the people who are opening the doors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's somebody out there who is making quite a lot of money who's listening to this. And, you know, maybe they're stressed about having enough money for a particular vacation or something. Mm-hmm. And just to, to think, really listening to people who have different experiences than you have and go... I can make such a difference by donating mm-hmm. to tending the garden. That gives me chills just thinking about that person doing that that one act and not not be, even not to say it out loud and to to mm-hmm. not because you want to put it on social media. I donated to. I mean, it's great to mention it because mm-hmm. please spread the word, right? Mm-hmm. But to do it purely yeah. for the goodness, yeah. <laughs> right? Like but it yes, helps everyone. Exactly. People don't like that though. That's but it's also the social media area that we live in. And I also recognize my privilege. Anytime I speak, I'm like, yes, I'm a black queer woman, but also I've been afforded lots of things in my life, and that is why I've created this retreat. Because a lot of people haven't had that. And that's why I'm like, at this moment, I can only do five scholarship spots. Do I want it to be covered? Yes. But that's a growing process. It's actually like starting to do it. And again, back to like, why do we need these spaces? Because they're not provided to us. They're not supported for us. Like once again, like when I was talking about, oh, this is specifically for films of color. People are like, oh, my God, that is so great. Ghost. Because it does not fit their narrative in real life. But again, it's that accomplice versus ally and they're like mm-hmm. oh yeah we're for everyone Ooh, not that though uh not too much of that mm-hmm. which is it's interesting it's interesting but i've also been ghosted by black and brown communities mm. I yeah <laughs> um and i think that hurt my feelings more yeah like i i think it was like two weeks ago i was just like I was working and then it was like, oh, like I had people like trying to I've been reaching out to people like, hey, would you write about this? And people were like, no, mm -mm, that doesn't fit our narrative. And it was just one last one that just broke me. Mm. And I was just like, oh, shoot. People really don't care about survivors. They don't care about black femmes. They don't care about black trans women or black, brown, whomever, because it is for any types of folks of color. Um, and I was like, oh, this is real. I was like, I know it's real. Like, I see it every day. I feel it every day. But I, it was just an extra on me that day that I was like, wow, this is this sucks. Yeah. For someone to feel more concerned about their quote unquote image, this uh-huh. doesn't align with my mission or my narrative. They're like, thank you. This is. Yeah. Let me take it back to my boss. Where your boss live? Is it Santa? Like you're in the North Pole because you never came back. <laughs> like, where did you go? Wait, hello. Oh, that's and I feel like so many people don't even they're not aware of some are very aware of why they're stepping away. And some people it's so internalized and part of the fabric that they don't know. So they they're like, how could you say that about me just because I forgot to call you back? But I think in those moments when we feel very uncomfortable with any kind of privilege that we do have, when we just pause and go, wait, what is that feeling? Mm-hmm. Like, what's that uncomfortable feeling? What makes me so uncomfortable about somebody thinking that I didn't call them back because of the color of my skin and the color of their skin or, you know, whatever differences there may be? Because that is where the change happens. Because we all are learning, right? We mm-hmm. all mess up. We all make yes. mistakes. Like, and, like I don't you know said. anyone that doesn't. <laughs> and if you're like, I'm perfect, yeah. I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust you. That's on my list. No, no. Non-negotiable. No. <laughs> Absolutely. 
How about a listener question? It relates to trauma and also sex. As you were saying, that we don't have these conversations about people wanting to have sex and having um, a, a vibrant sex life after trauma. This question came from Pauline, who wrote this. For years, because of sexual trauma, I haven't wanted sex with another person, only masturbation. I married a very loving woman who accepts that. On occasion, she has sex with someone we agree on to have her needs fulfilled. I'm starting to wonder about trying a somewhat active sex life with her. The idea makes me nervous and excited at the same time. Any tips or suggestions? Pauline. Pauline, I appreciate your question so much. Thank you for trusting us with it. Here is what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Pauline, I love your question. And first, I wanted to say that it's so amazing that not only haven't you let the history and sexual trauma sort of own your sexuality, that you've reclaimed it on your own, you're now in the sort of exciting and nervous time. Um, I had a client who once coined the phrase excite terrified, because I think we can have both mixed feelings and tense feelings at the same time. Um, but that anyway, you're sort of interested in inviting your you know, partner in, in terms of, you know what, um, I really want to think about creating the conditions, certainly the safety, the security, um, and the foundations to resume learning what it's like to receive touch, touch that feels good, touch that initially you're going to be the one in control of um, both the initiation and sort of the direction and the pacing. So, like I said, I think that it's great that even on your own, you've already started some of that work that you know how to give yourself pleasure um, and that you can enjoy your own touch to receiving pleasure and potentially even orgasm. And so now we're going to sort of take what you know and think about how do we bridge it. So first of all, is obviously starting those conversations. And, you know, the biggest thing is to say you're going to take all the time you need. You know, I've worked with many survivors um, over the past 20 years. And what I can say, and I say this in many different contexts, not even just with histories of trauma, but I think to establish realistic expectations that sometimes the slower we go in the beginning and creating the foundation, the slower we go, the faster ultimately we get to where we want to go. But in the beginning, it really is baby steps. I, I refer a lot to like that just right growth edge. You think about Goldilocks, you know, not too hot, not too cold. Like what is a just right stretch that creates a little bit of anxiety, but isn't flooding? Um, I'm sure you've heard me speak a lot about this role of what we refer to um, from a cognitive behavioral perspective of systematic desensitization. And so the idea is even the thought probably the visualization, the thought, even imagining partnered sex, I'm imagining in your body, you're not probably at neutral, not at a state of relaxation. There's probably a shift in your breathing. Maybe it's an increased heart rate. Physiologically, I'm willing to bet there's a level of stress and or anxiety that's embodied. And so when you're creating a hierarchy, you even start with just imagining things, right? Um, because you want to get that even picture in your mind's eye to a place that it's a zero in terms of no tension or anxiety associated with it. Um, because again, it's mental rehearsal and it's seeing yourself and knowing that you can take all the time you need, you're fully control of the experience. And that's the kind of thing that you're going to be inviting your partner into is really 
figuring out together, you know, as I said, the foundational is the safety, security, stability. And so you're going to be focusing on things like your breathing, knowing that again, the foundation of arousal is relaxation. So what are the things you can do to relax? And importantly, two important pieces for working with anybody who's had a history of sexual trauma. One is staying present instead of sort of dissociating or you know, not able to be there in the moment and in your body and your experience. And the other is how to communicate during touch. And that's why it's so important. In the beginning, it's non-sexual touch. It's just about receiving touch. And this could just be a hand massage. This could be using your finger, even with clothes on, sort of moving your finger across around the body, um, sort of like drawing on the body. It can be ultimately leading up to a central massage. And again, knowing that uh, initially no breast caressing, you know, no genital stimulation, you're not even close to thinking about any of those things. It's more about receiving touch, you know, caressing your face, stroking your hair in a way that you can receive and doesn't create that fear, fight, flight, freeze, sort of that survival mechanism kicking in. And so a great resource that I would highly recommend is the book by Wendy Maltz called The Sexual Healing Journey. It's now its third edition. It is a guide for survivors of sexual abuse. And she also has another amazing resource if you go to her website. So just Google her name, Wendy Maltz, which is M-A-L-T-Z. Um, and on her website, she has two videos. One is relearning touch exercises, and the other is partners in healing. So again, I think she's an amazing resource and I am really thrilled and excited for you, Pauline and your partner, that again, you're wanting to welcome back receiving touch into your life and knowing that it can be just as it is on your own, pleasurable. And so I commend your courage. I'm excited for you both. Take all the time you need. And as always, can't wait to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. And she wanted you all to know about her pleasure challenge again. Just as I'm excited for Pauline and her partner to be exploring pleasure, I'm also thrilled to be announcing that coming January 22nd, I am having a nine-day pleasure challenge. And more details, of course, to come. But when you register, you'd go to my website, greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure. And in doing so, not only will you be registered for this pleasure challenge, which is free, by the way, it also, you're going to get a instant download to my clitoral play, seven techniques for mind blowing pleasure. So register today. Can't wait to tell you more and really looking forward to inviting pleasure and passion in 2020. Remember to sign up at greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure. It's free. It's coming up in January. Do you two have thoughts to, to share to add to that? Yeah, I actually want to add on to that because that's great what she said for sure, but she definitely left out a couple of different things. First of all, with this beautiful young lady, she needs to unpack the trauma that she's been carrying around, number one. She needs to really unpack the trauma because she doesn't know how to. She doesn't know how to unpack the trauma because when you carry trauma around, it affects everything else. And in this case, it's affecting her relationship. And yes, she wants to be happy and there's nothing wrong with an open relationship and she's willing to support her for that. But the thing is, if you're carrying around trauma, how can you really be happy in an open relationship or a monogamous relationship 
if that trauma is still getting in the way. And see, it looks a little bit different for people of color. Mm. That's the that's the only difference. It looks a little different from people of color. Because sometimes we don't have a lot of access to therapists and depending on where you live. And so a lot of times we're left out on the field to try to um, find out our own problems, solve our own problems. And it's okay to unpack the trauma and unpack and really hold yourself accountable, forgive, do whatever it is you need to do on the inside to heal. And everything else is going to fall into alignment. Every, yes, everything she said is correct on a science level, on the inside level, that's fine. But the one thing she needs to do in order for abundance of a relationship is to unpack the past trauma. And please understand that your past is the reason where you are today. And you never should be ashamed of your past. However, don't let your past stop you from your future. That's what we need to be talking about in conversations like this and science. Because I'm also in the public health field. And I'm like, I'm over here with my sister here who's doing work in another important field. And how important all these things come back full circle. From a holistic view, a public health view, all of that trauma. What my sister right here has been doing (laughs) with the work and everything Mm -hmm. right there, it all comes back full circle. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we got to acknowledge that trauma hits in every different sector. Mm -hmm. It's not just pertaining to one. So what my sister um, that's having a problem needs to do. Pauline. Yeah, Pauline. Is she got to work on this. Mm. And she could do it because she's already been working hard trying to do it. Yeah, it sounds like she's made some good yes. progress as far as um, being curious about doing mm-hmm. some different things in her sex Absolutely. life. Yeah. yeah. I would also upgrade it to don't have these conversations in the bedroom Ooh. Um, because that's where the stress is. And if you're trying to unpack like hard conversations, you don't need extra stress. Mm-hmm. And when um, the woman was talking about um, like um, dissociating, because that's not anything we can control is when we dissociate. Mm-hmm. But we can control like nonverbal communication sometimes. So being able to, when you're having this conversation, not in the bedroom, about mm-hmm. like what you possibly want your sex to look like or what you want um, to try that particular day and like what are your boundaries around it. Also be like, hey, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, can I do like a little leg tap or something? So, you know, and also, can you check in with me every five minutes? Because check-ins are sexy and it keeps all of us in present mm-hmm. and we can all still stay in the moment. But also, yeah, I think it does look different for all different types of people. I don't know mm-hmm. who lovely Pauline is and what stage of what she's been working Absolutely. on in her trauma and what kind of therapy or not therapy if she's just been on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, because Google sometimes is your best friend if you can't afford mm-hmm. to get into therapy sessions or find a support group or something like that. But also I would recommend finding a support group. Finding a support group. Mm. I think finding other people that look like you um, in the sense of being a survivor. They may not physically look like you, but being a survivor, they may have a similar story and may be able to support you in that way. And you takes away from that oh woe is me in my own head because I I drown myself in in uh, self-sabotage all day but when I have someone that I'm like oh you understand it helps my brain to relax Mm. which can also as you said everything is connected can then affect like your activity in the bedroom yeah yeah to feel less alone because Mm -hmm. the isolation festers shame right and then 
I love that you said that sec- uh, check-ins can be sexy because mm-hmm. advocating for ourselves can be very challenging when you mm-hmm. feel like it can feel as though you're making some complaint or you're making resistance. And in reality, it's more creating a space for everyone to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, we can stay and enjoy. Yeah. We're, we're both here. Can the word yes. of the day be self-sabotage? Because I was over here like, <laughs> mama brought it out. <laughs> self-sabotage. Because that's a that. big problem. I do it too. I yes. think we all do it. Yes. We all do it. And sometimes we don't realize we're doing it. But how do we hold ourselves accountable for making ourselves inferior when we should be superior in what we're doing mm-hmm. because it was meant for us. What's mm-hmm. going on in there? Come on. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That That's all so important. And mm-hmm. it's interesting. I was reading because I know, Blossom, you were um, at this um, HIV prevention yeah. summit, right? And uh, you're very involved in that community. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. I was actually looking at the Human Rights Campaign has some really important literature about Mm -hmm. HIV, specifically in trans Mm -hmm. communities. And their latest stat says 19.1% of transgender women are living with HIV in the U.S. Mm 21.6% of transgender women are living with HIV. Mm -hmm. Um, And it talked a little bit about certain risk factors that all seem related to Mm -hmm. transphobia. Could you speak to that? Because I feel like not it's not something that's talked about and yeah. maybe something people think, oh, prevent HIV, condoms. Well, it's so much more complicated. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. And. It's, yeah. it's transphobia, but I also like to use the isms. Racism, classism, sexism, a little narcissism because in that business, people <laughs> are isms. in it for themselves. Big isms. Yes. I like to use the isms first because all those things do come back full mm-hmm. circle. You know, and so I, I cannot tell you that, and, you know, coming from Mississippi, uh, I'm just going to use my time being in Mississippi. I would see a lot of the trans girls actually detransition just to find work because people were not hiring them just for them being openly who they were. Because being trans is still a taboo topic. And especially in the black community, mm-hmm. we still have a lot of work to do with that. That's so still much. a taboo community. I'm sorry. Yeah, a pretty taboo topic. And so a lot of the the girls have to do survival, mm-hmm. you know, sex work. And think about it. You're in states where it's still criminalized. So if it's criminalized, you go to jail for a felony. When you get out, you don't have access to education because you can't go get financial aid. Um, you know, like um, you can't find work if your state doesn't really have second uh, chance programs. What are you left to do? You're left to survive the best way you can and then again you run that same train all over again Mm -hmm. and so one thing i will say about california at least there are definitely more access um to services you know like for like trans people that are coming out of the jail um we have great programs here in la that people may not know about second chance programs um and all of that and so um i'm very passionate about this field i know you was talking about hiv but i actually want to take the time to jump into prep because i was actually at um the hiv prevention summit we actually hosted it here last year in la we call it the biomedical prep summit and so for those of you that don't know what prep is prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis it is the once a day pill that you take to prevent hiv so what happened recently is um chubata is the main drug for um prep what happened recently is they uh, gilead created um a generic form called discovery And the problem here is, in the research, it mainly focused on cisgender men and trans women, which was great, but you also left out cis women. You also left out trans men, anyone who may have a vagina. 
because vaginal intercourse was not included in that. Mm-hmm. And so going to that particular conference, I saw black cis women of all kinds take their power back and let their voices be heard as far as not being able to be included in the Discovery trial. And the rumor is they didn't get enough participants because you have to have at least 1,000 people to be able to participate in it. And here you have black women on a panel, and I'll never forget it. It was the opening plenary. Here you have five powerful black women from across um, the nation, who all who have degrees, like PhDs. And you mean, and, and they're they're having to say we're not hard to find. Y'all played in our faces. You played in our faces. And the one thing, and and uh, one thing I will say about like being a trans woman, you know, we've definitely earned our right at the table. Now we just got to work on getting our trans masculine and our trans brothers to be able to sit at that same table with us. Because a lot of times with them, and I don't speak for them, it's a little nuance in the conversation when it comes to trans health. It's a little nuance. And I feel like it's a little bit more nuance with the trans men. And, 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 you know, when I heard about the Discovery trial and how it left off them, and I was thinking to myself, you know, going into my activist farm, this should be a revolution. Like, trans men should be standing up and actually making their voices heard, too, the same way that these bold, black, cis, queer women were able to do that. I wish that I was able to empower my trans brothers and my trans masculine folks to get up and say something to the CDC and hold them accountable, say something to Gilead and hold them accountable. I would love to see that for 2020. That's what I would actually love to do. Take back your power because our trans bodies are so important, too. And I think a lot of times it's gotten left out. Um, and, And what I'm finding out now is cis women particularly black cis women, are starting to get left behind more too. But one thing about the black cis woman, she carries all the weight, but she going to get stuff done. So I wasn't even worried about a black cis woman coming up there and taking over because they should have took over, which I was so glad to see. But some of us, we got to do better. And, you know, again, I can't speak on their experiences, but, you know, if I'm in a space and I don't see them, I have a responsibility to say something. If I don't, I am proud of the problem and I need to be held accountable. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Very powerful. So, so important. Jiminika, could you tell us what a day at this retreat might be like? Yes. Well, it depends on which day we're doing. If it's a, <laughs> if it's a chill day, like I have a specific day that's just for self-care. Um but what, it, what a full day is going to look like, we have body movement uh, slash yoga in the morning with Jessamine Stanley. Um, and it's just that's how we're starting our day. We're going to then have all of our meals are going to be together because I think bonding over food, I think especially in, in our culture, that's what we do. It's like, oh, I can relax. Let me put something in my food. <laughs> let's smile and let's bond. Yeah. Um, and then I have to do this. Actually, thank you for reminding me. I need to put my classes in order. Um, <laughs> you're going to go and... I don't know. I'm not going to lie. Um, but you're going to go then into one of your courses. Um, each course is 90 minutes long, 60 minutes of education, 30 minutes for Q&A. Um, and each day is built upon what you talked about the day before. And then you're going to have a break because I think the three days intensive, it's going to be a lot. Mm-hmm. So you need time to be like, I might go to the waterfall. I might take a nap real quick. And then you're going to go to your next course. And then you're going to have lunch. Then we're going to go to our next course. And then we're going to break. Mm-hmm. But also... I have my three teachers that are teaching and I have three support staff. So I have Jessamine that's doing our body movement and stuff. And then I have Jordy, who is our spiritual person. 
And I think with healing, you need to believe in something. We don't all have to believe in the same God, but you need to have something. So we're also doing like chakra work and movement and like ancestral talk. We're doing all kinds of things. So you have to check in with them. It's on your schedule because I'm mama's putting it there. And then <laughs> I have a, an on-site extra therapist. So the one that is doing the mental health track is also a therapist, but I also have an extra therapist where you also will be checking in with them because I think it's so important that as you're going through this, that you're not just like, oh, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And then you have myself that's running around. I'm not teaching anything on purpose because I want to make sure that I'm holding space and you can utilize this at any time. And then I have my two people that are helping me to create this, my producer and my manager, who is, (laughs) Dan is like, I'm going because I'm going to handle all the white people. And I was like, yes, you are. Oh, yeah, Accomplice Dan. at you work. Hello. Yes. Dan's yes. like, I'll, I'll handle all of that. Y'all do what you need to do. But and then in yeah. the evening, we're going to do different things. Like I want to do like a dance party because that is how people heal. You shake it out. You drop it low. Whatever you need to do. We're going to have like a movie night, um, a talent show. But then that it's going to vary per day. We're all going to enjoy each other. And there's it's going to be hard. Like people are like, ooh, I don't think I, mm-mm. if you were signing up, you were signing up to do this work. And yeah, it's three days of hard stuff, but also it's three days of digging into that. And then like we're doing a self-care day. So I haven't decided yet, which I also need to do, what <laughs> what our little activity is going to be. I don't know if we're going to go water rafting or mm. go on a boat or just hang. We're going to do something. And like my mental health background, everyone leaves with a discharge plan. And like most people are like, what? A discharge plan. I was like, you can't just show up here and be like, ooh, this was so great. Okay, bye. No. Like I'm setting people up with therapy. Um, I'm setting people up with kits. Like I'm, this is really intentional. Mm. Like I, I want people to leave better than they showed up. That's huge because not only are they having this really significant experience and doing this hard work and having all these these wonderful experiences Mm -hmm. too but to leave that so that it's not contained there Mm -hmm. because it's very different because when you leave that's when it's reality hits yeah like it's cute when you're in costa rica right you're like oh this is great i love all this healing but then you go back to your environment where there's your family who may not be supportive Mm -hmm. your abusers you may still be in contact with you may not have a support system and i'm gonna make sure like I will have everyone's information and you here's a sheet. If you didn't have a therapist, here's some free therapy. Here is some support groups in your area. Here is I've I had a long I had 12 days, a long time to just sit and think about your feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> really is. And I, I want yeah. this to be different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the sex ed community, Absolutely. there's it's cute. But like people are a lot of talk. Yeah. And in, in your in your yeah. programming, you have a you have a um, like a place of holding space. Right. Mm-hmm. As far as like being able to do that or whatever. Yeah, you should really, what, what, about what, is it at the beginning of your um, your retreat? Like, what do you mean? Having space, like holding space, like, you know. Oh, it's for, throughout. It's all, it's throughout all day. That? Listen, yes. we, we want it to be throughout because we don't know what's going to come up, mm-hmm. right? Like, we don't know. Sometimes I've been re-triggered and been like, well, when did this, mm-hmm. when did this happen? And some people, like going through applications, don't know what grounding skills are, don't know what it's like to be in yeah. their body. So when things happen, they freak out because they don't know. Yeah. And so if that comes up, we're not going to be like, oh, you're not ready. Get out. No, we're going to be like, so let's step out. 
let's take a minute. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out like what you need in this moment. Yes. Because people don't ask these people what they need. Mm. Instead yes. of being like, well, you should do this. What if that's not available to them? What if that doesn't feel good for them? What if they're like, that sounds white. I don't know. This that don't sound like my life at all. Right. Because then it's just you're just stuck there. Mm-hmm. No one can offer a solution if they don't ask you what you actually want or need in that moment. It's incredible. So how can people either um, participate, um, support, mm-hmm. if there's someone listening who wants to attend such a retreat? Mm-hmm. I know you said you may have more in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us all the things. Yeah. So the application is actually just closed. Um, and I had an abundance and I'm still reading them. Um, but tending the garden dot love is where you can find out about all the information you can find out what the teachers, who the teachers are, who I am, like I didn't just make this up. Um, (laughs) um, You can also find the donation button. Um, And I think one of the other things that I love about this is everyone that donates, it's a tax Mm write-off. So it's also like you donate, you give, let me give you something. Like, I, you know, we don't have a lot, but what we can give is also helping you and saying thank you for what you've given to us. But you can donate PayPal, a check, Whatever. We will figure it out. Mm -hmm. I've had people be like, I only have $2,500. I'm like, I wish I only had $25. Yes, we will take. (laughs) I have $25. We will take that because it goes towards these individuals that may not have anything. Yeah, every bit counts. Every bit. All Mm -hmm. adds up. I'll put a a link to where people can learn more and donate in the show notes for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Blossom, where can people learn more about your work and your advocacy? Instagram, Blossom C. Brown. Facebook, Blossom C. Brown. Twitter, Blossom C. Brown. When I tell you 2020 is going to be a completely different year, like, so my social media is changing. Mm-hmm. Time for the upgrade that's meant to be. <laughs> um, you know, so just follow along because I'm, I'm working on crazy projects, um, speaking at a couple of, of, of places that I'm really, really excited about, which I'm hoping to motivate the masses, um, you know, and just really, really continue to educate people and continue to open people's hearts and minds. And I'm trying to do it from a not necessarily loud perspective, but I need you to hear me and I need you to see me. And so I'm really going to be spending 2020, you know, doing that. And so I'm ready. So it's just social media, Blossom C. Brown, across all social media. (laughs) Uh, This is just such a perfect way to start the year thank you both so much for sharing your gifts and your expertise and your hearts and if you're enjoying girl boner radio please subscribe if you haven't and leave us a review and a rating thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful girl boner embracing week girl boner radio is owned operated and executively produced by me august mclaughlin with technical producer and audio extraordinaire mackenzie mazel as part of the period podcast network an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast, brand, movement, and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.